Welcome to the Impactful PBL Podcast. I'm Candice, your host, a project-based learning coach and leader of the Impactful PBL Network. And you can find me at impactfulpbl.com. I'm on a mission to do good work with good people for good reasons, and I hope you are too. If you are a current or aspiring project-based educator looking for strategies and ideas to craft memorable learning experiences that empower your students to tackle challenges in their school and community through project-based learning, then you're in the right place. Join me as I share resources and tips to help you launch a PBL initiative in your classroom. Welcome to the Impact Makers community, and let's talk PBL. Hey, Impact Makers. I am back for another episode. This one is a little different. And I know we've been talking about virtual learning and how we can still do project-based learning in a virtual learning or remote learning environment. And one of the things that I just wanted to share this week is my reflections about virtual learning in general and what it's like to be a student learning virtually. I know that I work with teachers and as a professional development facilitator, but I also wanted to just kind of think through the lens of being a virtual learner myself through the online program that I'm currently in that I've mentioned several times in terms of like the doctoral program. Just like many places right now where I live, students are 100% remote, so they are learning virtually. It is a mix between asynchronous and synchronous learning. So there are times where the students are getting on the computer for half of the block and then having independent work the other half of the block, but they are rotating almost like a block schedule as if they were at school. That's how it's working in my district and our district a little further out the way. They're doing the two days on and two days off. And then the other part is virtual. And I've been working with teachers on implementing project-based learning in a virtual environment. So I encourage the teachers to think about what students might be experiencing or feeling right now in a remote learning environment just in general regardless of what instructional practices you are using. And one of the things that made me think about was just to reflect on my own personal experience right now. I just want to kind of go down the road of remote learning or online learning or virtual learning or blended learning. But I can remember it was around 2000 when remote learning or online courses or classes started entering the college world. Now, It may have been around a little earlier, but I just remember around 2001, 2002, 2003 of people starting to say, oh, this class is online. And I remember thinking at that time, what does that even mean? What is an online class? If you can remember during that time, online learning got a really bad rap. It was like, that's not real school. You're not really learning anything that's fake. I remember when online universities started and people would say, that's not a real degree. If someone said they got their degree online, they were laughed at. It was like, oh, you paid for that degree. You didn't really learn anything, right? So when I was a senior in college, online class came available in the business department and some students were taking it. And I remember thinking, oh no, I'm not doing an online class. That doesn't make any sense. Like I need to go to class. I need to sit beside people. I need to talk to the professor right there in the moment. That's really not my jam. And I stayed away from online, you know, learning because of the negative connotations that it had. As I progressed into a master's program around 2007, I still went to a program that was on campus, but it was somewhat innovative because that's when the university level was. You could start doing programs where you went two nights a week and the other 
time you learned on your own. So I, I guess that was the early version of what we call now blended learning. And that was different. You don't, you know, go to all your classes every day. And I remember we had one night a week where we went with the professor delivering instruction. And then we had another night a week where we met with our groups and we would work on our project during that time. In the master's in business administration program, we did a lot of uh, project-based learning. And so in case studies and things like that. And so we had a designated group and we would meet one night a week, work on our assignments. So again, I was still that traditional kind of face-to-face. It had a little edge to it, but not too much. Well, in that last semester, the dean was actually teaching a class and he said, hey, we are starting to pilot online classes. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go again with this online learning. And he said, we're going to continue doing our class face-to-face, but we're going to add in some components where you're going to submit some stuff online. And so I'm pretty sure we're using Blackboard at the time. And so we were still coming to class, but we had that independent work time and we were submitting our stuff through Blackboard and things of that sort. But again, it was still like blended learning, never completely online. So fast forward to 2012, I wanted to get an education related degree because I felt like at that point I had been in education for a while and it was something that I knew that I was going to stay in. But I had undergrad degree was in business. My master's degree was in business. And I really wanted to learn more about education philosophy. And so I decided to look into some programs and I applied into Liberty's education specialist program, which is mostly online, but you can do an intensive where you can take some classes on campus and things like that. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. But before I decided to do that, I was still trying to stay away from online learning. I had found this program that was in Tennessee and you could go on the weekend and get your EDS and it was uh, spread out over the course of a year. So at the end of the year, you would finish your EDS. You would go one weekend a month. And in between that time, you had, of course, your online assignments. So I applied to that program, got accepted to that program and was really excited about it. The idea of blended learning. And I went to the orientation. So I drove to Tennessee and went to the orientation and walked in. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I felt extremely uncomfortable from the time that I got into the town to the time I checked into the hotel to the time that I went to orientation and the whole weekend that I was there. I did not see any Black people. And as a Black woman, that that bothered me. I thought it was going to be a great program. And the way that it had it structured, it was blended learning and it would be helpful for me. And so I went ahead and continued with that weekend, but it just didn't feel right. And so when I left that weekend, I reached out to them and I'm pretty sure I gave a bogus reason about why I couldn't continue with the program. I know I didn't say because there were no Black people or people of color in general that I saw, but I decided not to finish that program. So that's actually when I ended up, you know, searching for other EDS programs and came across a Liberty University program. And so that's where I ended up going. So fast forward, I finished the EDS in 2014 and I had intentions to take off a year or so and then go back to finish the doctorate. But life happens. And next thing you know, five years have passed or six years have passed. And so I was like, wow, do I really want to finish this doctorate degree? So to make a long story short, I ended up saying, yes, I do want to finish a doctorate degree. I'm pretty much halfway done because if you're familiar with an education specialist degree, it's at the doctoral level and it's pretty much the halfway mark to a doctorate. So it's kind of like when people say they're ABD, like 
Auburn dissertation, you do a lot of the classwork and what's left is kind of diving into the dissertation. But some people choose to just get an EDS and not go any further because they have no desire to get the full doctorate. But I went ahead and I said, you know what? I already started at Liberty. They're going to take my credits and transfer. So it doesn't make sense for me to go somewhere else. So I decided to go back. And now I'm in the full online program because all of the courses that would have been intensives where you can go to the campus, I've already taken those courses and now I'm just in the you know dissertation phase. So what have I learned during this experience as being online learner? I'm now transitioning from being a doctoral student to a doctoral candidate, working strictly on my research. But here's what I've learned. Regardless of what you hear, completing a doctoral online is hard. It's pure self-study. I want to say there's no peers to collaborate with because you do have peers. You do have people in your classes. But I guess I just don't feel comfortable enough to like reach out virtually and just start building relationships with people to form a peer group, so to speak. But I guess I can say it's not organic. You know, when you're going to class, you're able to see people in class. You're able to connect. It's easier to, quote unquote, make friends. There is access to professors, but it's not the same to me, like actually going to a professor's office and knocking on the door and just saying, hey, I'm in your EDUC 850 course. Can I talk to you for a moment? You're reaching out via email and and all of the other e-tools to connect with your professors. They are very receptive and they are very helpful, but you don't get to build that collaboration. You don't get to build that relationship as you would when you're face to face. Then my program is mostly it's asynchronous learning. So we are given our assignments and it's very self-study. So it's not like you log on to your class at a particular time. So you have the other dynamics of motivation and just self-discipline and other things that I'll kind of talk about later. And so when I think about my experience with that, being an adult, I started thinking about students, right? K-12 students. And when everything first happened with the pandemic in the spring, I can just speak for our district. A lot of it was asynchronous learning. So kids were assigned videos and assignments. It was very much how my program is structured, where it was a lot of self-study. It was do this assignment, learn this on your own. Yes, they could reach out to teachers, but again, it was through like remind apps or messages on Canvas and things like that. It wasn't like they could just walk up to their teacher and ask a question. It wasn't like they can walk to a peer desk and ask a question or anything like that. That was a similarity that I feel in my program. And so I thought about, hmm, I could definitely see what students are feeling. The other thing that I learned in the process is that it can be lonely. When you do online programs as an adult, it's very easy to go through the whole program and not have any quote unquote friends or strong relationships to professors you know, no one to complain to, to talk about the professors or anything like that, or ask immediate feedback or advice. Yes, you can submit things and they do give you advice and feedback, but again, it's virtual, right? So it can be today, tomorrow, the next day that you would get that information back. And you and I both know that when you are getting information written, when it's not a conversation, It's you say something, they say something. You say something, they say something. And then somebody misunderstands the other. And so then you get advice on the wrong thing or feedback on the wrong thing because you don't have all the context. So one of the things that made me think about was our students. If their learning was set up kind of similar in the spring, where if they wanted feedback, again, they had to send a message, wait for the feedback. At this point, 
you know, as a child, you're becoming frustrated, you're becoming confused and you're losing, you know, motivation. And then you don't have your friends to kind of bounce ideas off of. One thing I do want to say about this is that I thought about was joining a group accountability program for doctoral students. And I remember sharing this with a friend and I said, I think when I get to my dissertation phase, I'm going to join this group accountability program. And she said, well, isn't that what your advisor's for? And I'm like, probably face to face, that would be what my advisors are for. But right now in the online format, I'm sure my advisor has a ton of students that they're advising and it's not the same to me. But the purpose of these programs is to be connected with other people like you who are going through the process and having someone that is dedicated to being your coach. Like they're literally being paid to hold you accountable. So when we think about students, their accountability partner became their parents. Did you do your homework? Did you do this? Did you do that? Which could feel like nagging because it was unsolicited. Uh, They didn't ask you to be their accountability partner. You kind of stepped in and did that for them. The other thing I learned with taking online courses is that you must develop self-discipline, grit, and you have to maintain momentum. I often say momentum over motivation because you're not going to have motivation every day. I don't care if you love what you're talking about, just like teaching, right? You can love what you teach, but there are some days where you wake up where it's just like, I don't want to teach today. So the same thing with students. There's some days they wake up, even if they love school, I don't want to go to school today. In an online environment, you are really forcing yourself because you're not leaving a space and going through the process of getting dressed and going to school. Students are now waking up to literally go to maybe another part in their bedroom or maybe downstairs or something like that, but they're still in their home. They're not leaving their space. And now they have to turn off their I'm at home relaxing brain to now I'm at school brain. And I can completely relate to that because what I used to do when everything was open, I would go to a coffee shop and I would write my papers and I would go outside. I'll go to a park or something like that just to get into a different environment so I could take off my work brain and put on my scholar brain, so to speak. And now without that outlet, it's kind of difficult to stay motivated to write papers and read dozens of scholarly articles and things of that sort because I had to force myself to get in that headspace. And so our students could also be feeling that as well. Another thing that I recognize with online learning, at least for me, and I've noticed this with a lot of students, I've also noticed this with teachers now that I'm doing professional development online, is that learning new concepts seems to take longer when they're learning online than if you were in person. For me, I find myself rereading the same scholarly articles over and over because I'm unsure if I'm understanding the concepts, but because it's online, I pretty much have to submit my work and wait for the professor to pretty much chop up my papers and tell me, no, I didn't understand the concept. And so one of the things I think about is when I'm working with teachers and they say, hey, I'm going to cover all these different learning objectives in this one lesson. And their lesson is an hour online lesson. I'm like an hour online is not the same as an hour in person. And that's something that the teachers that I'm working with are quickly realizing. And that I'm realizing as I'm doing professional development, things that I would have been able to cover in a day, I cannot cover in a day online. And so that's another adjustment that we have to think about when we are teaching virtually. Now, I hope I'm not sounding negative because there are benefits, of course, of virtual learning. That's not the point of this episode. The purpose of the episode was to reflect on my experience of virtual learning and try to make a connection 
with students and maybe how they feel, but then also thinking about teacher professional development online and how teachers are feeling. And so there are, of course, benefits, right, of online learning and blended learning. And one, you get to work at your own pace. So you're not in a classroom or a learning space with people who are high flyers who catch on to things a lot quicker. And some students may feel isolated or feel like they are too slow and kind of withdraw from participating in class. And online kind of levels the playing field a little bit because it gives them that personal time to process. Also, the flexibility and flexible schedule, depending on how students are learning, asynchronous, synchronous, but either way, when you think about it, it's giving them more of an opportunity to practice their skills. And when I think about when you're doing a degree online, it's the same thing. It's great for those who are working full time and they may need to take care of family and you have a flexible schedule so that you can have time to fit life, work and school. Being an online learner, you also develop self-discipline and responsibility because you don't have someone there holding your hand saying, now write this, now write that, now move here, now go there. So you have to be more disciplined and responsible. And that's something that I'm definitely recognizing as I transition through this doctoral program. And I will also add an organization. You have to be organized, right? I think a lot of kids right now are learning organizational skills. And if you're a middle school teacher, you know how tough it is to teach organizational skills. Kids leaving papers in their book bag at home, on the floor, everywhere, not knowing where resources are, not knowing where their work is. And so I think that being an online learner does teach students to become more disciplined. I've seen schools now require that students use journals and planners, whereas before they would give a student a journal or a planner and it was like, hey, we recommend that you use it, but it wasn't kind of a requirement and it wasn't built into lessons. So I'm sharing this because while teaching virtually may be new for you, if you're a traditional teacher, it's also new for students as well. And so it's going to take an adjustment. And if you've ever taken an online course, you know how that feels. But I know sometimes when we're in a situation, we forget about us experiencing it as well. And so we look through one lens. So I've heard teachers say, well, the kids watch videos all the time. Like, I don't understand. Well, first of all, there's no expectation, right, of watching a YouTube video. They watch it, they laugh, and then they go on about their business. There's no accountability to watching a YouTube video. No one's giving you a grade. No one's giving you a, a quiz or anything like that. There's no consequences for not taking action. So it's not the same thing. So all I'm saying is as we embark on this uh, virtual learning, remote learning, online learning, blended learning, be patient with yourself and be patient with students. We have a great opportunity with online learning, but I think that we just really have to continue to research and develop our craft around it and what is effective online learning and how we can make it accessible and beneficial to students. There are schools out here that are completely online always, right? When you think about the virtual schools. And so we know this model can work. We just have to put in the work to understand what are the best practices around it and figure out how we can best support students. And just remember that this is new for everyone. It's new for you. It's new for students. It's new to your principal. It's new to anybody who's coaching you. So don't expect them to have all the answers as well. This is a time where we need to collaborate and figure out how we can be the best versions of ourselves so that we can be able to make the impact that we want to make. So that's all for this week. Next, we will dive into how we can continue to create impactful learning experiences for students through project-based learning, whether it's online or in person. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you find this podcast insightful, please leave a review and subscribe so you can get notified of future episodes.